Okay, I will be right back. I'm going to share this on my computer for my Tree of Life Ministries webpage, so I'll be right with you. Hi Rita, if y'all wonder sometimes why I'm not here when I started, I go to my desktop computer and share this on the Tree of Life page. So, And also I've told myself I'm going to quit saying gonna, so I'm going to quit saying gonna. <laughs> so you, you, after a while you catch yourself saying words that, that uh, they're okay, but I don't want to say them. So hi Barbara, we just welcomed everybody that's going to be with us today going to be with us today on Facebook and those who will be watching later today and then also on YouTube. I haven't updated my YouTube uh, account lately, but I will try to get that done in the next couple of days for people that go back and watch YouTube. So we bless you and we honor you and we I thank you for those who follow me on Facebook and follow my teachings. I hope you're uh, learning a lot. I am as I study. As I started last week, I did an introduction and Talked about how we are going to, I like what Kay uses, she uses a phrase, unpack, you know, unpack the word or whatever. And so I guess I could say that, but I, I mentioned how we are going to unveil the veil that was put over the Apostle Paul's writings. Uh, we know the book of Revelation, the word uh, Revelation is apocalypse, and it means to unveil or to uncover and so I would say the same thing was true there, that John was used to unveil what religiosity put over Jesus' words and understandings, what he was trying to teach us. So that's what we're going to do, going to do. Uh, as I stated last time, uh, one of the greatest times of my life in, in church, if you would, was uh, getting to go to see Gary Garner and listening to Gary Garner and be taught by Gary Garner. And Gary unveiled a lot of truth that, you know, uh, uh, that he was aware of, that he understood his truth. And it was laced with penal substitution, but I'd never heard anything like it. And I really never was taught the word like I was through Gary Garner. And so I have a great foundation of that. And now I'm able to unpack all that or unveil all that. And we're looking for the real truth of the gospel. And we know that does not include the doctrine of penal substitution. And so I explained all that last week and did the introduction. And so we're going to continue on. Uh, this is probably going to be a very long series because I'm going to be translating. Hi, Sandra and Ann. Uh, going to be using a lot of my translations. And we're not going to go by what the King James Version said of what Paul said. We're going to seek and listen to the voice of one and learn what Paul really said and what Jesus really said and what John said. So... As I mentioned last week, uh, the name Benjamin means son of the right hand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Benjamin's name also means son of good fortune and son of prosperity. And anytime you think of prosperity in the word, it's always wisdom and knowledge. Most people think prosperity means money, and that's why there's so many prosperity messages out there. You know, the, there's scripture that talks about he teaches us how to get wealth and to be prosperous. But prosperous is wisdom and knowledge because you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have wisdom and knowledge, you're going to lose it. Wouldn't that be correct? 
We see that all the time in life. His name also means son of happiness and productiveness. So there's a book in the right hand, and the right hand represents skillful and expert, if you would here. So there is a book in the right hand of all comforter messengers, and that book is opened as revelation knowledge begins to flow. We are all the book. Every one of us are the book. But just because we're a book, it doesn't mean that knowledge and understanding is flowing. I have lots of books, but they're sitting on my my, in my bookshelf, and some of them I've never opened up, so the knowledge and wisdom inside of that is not flowing. So as the revelation that was taught by Jesus and explained by Paul and signified by John, as, as we begin to understand the truth of it, then that truth will flow in our very beings, and it opens us up to everything that we are. And so the book in the right hand is the Benjamite Company, <clears throat> excuse me, who are messengers of the living word not the written word. All of us at one time or another, if we're ministers in any way whatsoever, are just individual people who have talked about the Bible. We mainly talked about the written word and we heard preaching on the written word. And if you just major on the written word, yes, there's a lot of confusion and the Bible really does contradict itself in the written word because again, a lot of false perceptions of father, false perceptions of what was heard, and of course the wrong translations. So these people minister skillfully, they minister expertly, and they bring a quick understanding to the living word. I remember years ago, I asked Father, how are all these people that are coming to our fellowship going to catch up to what we've learned the last 9, 10, 15 years or whatever? And Father spoke to me very quickly, I can give them a quick understanding, you know, and I didn't know that he would do that through the messengers that came into the church and particularly me and Kay and Butch. And so those who let go of old beliefs and the, uh, the, the false understanding of penal substitution, literally what will happen, they will enter into the rest from coming to hear a right-handed minister of the truthful word. And we all know, anybody that's listening very much or following Kay, she talks about the right brain. And we know the right brain, rather than the left brain, the right brain is what we want to listen to and pay attention to. And so what happens then, if they will come and sit, which means be at rest, and you've got to rest to receive anything, right? The Bible says, if you receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, well, to be meek means you're at rest. You're, you know, you've calmed down some, so that, that people need to hear this. I mean, what happens then is they enter into the divine order of the divine mind. We have a brain, right? And there's an order to that brain. And if it's functioning orderly, then our whole being will function properly because the brain can take care of any problem in the body. But if it's out of order, which most of our brains have been because of wrong foods, environmental things, but mainly wrong beliefs and wrong thoughts, then it's produced a lot that's hindered us. So we want the divine order of our divine mind to execute the spiritual ability that we have, the strength, the power, and the skill to do all that Father has called us to do. So I would say to be a teacher, to be a comforter messenger, you have to allow yourself to be ordered, you know, your ways to be ordered of your divine mind, which is Father. So the eventual result of, of this is that those 12 divine faculties that I talked about a few months ago, that's in our books, my previous books on this subject, uh, they will open and then they literally will flow through and out of your entire being. 
when they flow out of your entire being, what are they doing? They're blessing other people. You know, one of them is love. The attribute, the divine faculty represented by John is love. It's right in the very back of the heart, if you would. So there is a man in scripture in Ezra 10.25 by the name of Mid, uh, Mijamin, M-I-J-A-M-I-N. His name means from the right hand or the right side. It means dectrous, dectrous, fortunate, prosperous, happy, and faithful. And Mijamin symbolized knowing uh, that ex executive ability and abundant supply and fullness and joy and good are our eternal inheritance. And it all came from Father from the foundation of the world. You know, I'm always telling people, it's not my job to make you happy. Uh, as a pastor, as a teacher, I can't make you happy. Happiness comes from within. Uh, you can be joyous from things that you hear or whatever, but all that comes from farther from within. And there's so many people unhappy in the world today. <laughs> you know, all you got to do is get on Facebook or there's an app called Next Door Neighbor app, and you can see so many unhappy people. And, and once they say something that represents their unhappiness, then all the other unhappy people come right along with them. You know, and we haven't been taught to look in with, with, uh, within us. And so <clears throat> inside of every person is the divine mind. And the same mind that was in Jesus is in you, right? Scripture says, let the same mind that was in Jesus be in you. So the key word there is let. And for most of the time, people don't let it happen. And some people don't believe it because the religiosity I know I pronounce that wrong according to some people, but has dumbed us down where we think Jesus is greater than us, Mary is greater than us, and Father is greater than us, and Holy Breath is greater than us. And none of that's true. We're all one. Every one of us are one. And so we have that same mind that Jesus had. The book of wisdom, and I have that book, in verse 223 states, for Father created mankind to be immortal and made them to be an image of Father's own eternity. Is it warm in here to you, Norma? Are you warm? No, Donna, you want to drop it down one? I don't want y'all getting hot. I'm getting hot. So, Father created mankind to be immortal and made them to be an image of Father's own eternity. When I saw that verse, and I've quoted it many times, that is so powerful. <clears throat> and so the need is for every person to awaken to that fact to come to a full realization that we have a moment-by-moment moment experience, not just in every once in a while. You know, I used to teach on virgins, concubines, and queens. Paul, uh, the Old Testament or Old Outlook books used those for maturity levels. But a lot of people are happy being concubines just to, you know, have an experience and go back to your own life and then come back and have an experience. In the church, we called it revivals, you know, or, or praying through or whatever. But... Literally, we should experience moment by moment who we are in this life that our Father has, has for us. And so we have that life inside of us, and experientially we become that message and that messenger of the living word when we, when we allow that to become our realization. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is his realization. It's not who you are, but it's your realization. And so the hand ministry uh, of Isaiah 35 was Father said, I'm going to reach my hand out one more time. That's when all those uh, people were represented by islands of the sea 
and Cush and, and, and different places where people have gone to. And my father says, I'm going to reach my hand out one more time. And that's a hand ministry. That's a ministry that has power and understanding. And father does that constantly. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul wrote that we are epistles, our letters written of all men. We've all heard that and seen that before. But the book is sealed up in many people's lives, even though we are the book, and we are the book of life, if you would. Uh, it's sealed up. And so we're, we see a lot of times talking about seals in the book of Revelation. It talks about seals, but there's two different kinds of seals. There's one where it talks about a seal being opened up, and then we got to understand what the seal was and who put the seal on the truth. It wasn't Father. Father never held truth back for us. Truth has always been there because we have contact with the divine mind and we know all things. And so again, the different places that we went to and we were taught that literally sealed that up to where we couldn't understand who we are. So in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul wrote that again, that we are these epistles and uh, Corinth uh, actually means ornament and it means ornamentation and it means beauty. And then Corinth was a city of Greece where groups of believers established an assembly, if you would. And that's where Paul wrote these letters to them in 1 Corinthians 1-2 and 2 Corinthians 1-1. It talks about that. But Corinth, again, ornament and beauty. Corinth was 40 miles to the west of Athens, and it contained a, a Greek temple of Venus, which was dedicated to the worship of love. So we understand that it was at the love center, if you would, in our consciousness, and the truth sought to do a work. And we should ascertain and seek and desire to know love and to be lovely to all people and to let the love of our Father flow out of everything that we teach. So in this letter, Paul wrote his outstanding section of love, and we all know that, the love chapter. But the center was largely given over to immortality, the physical center. According to history, under the guise of religion, they had more than a thousand prostitutes that had, uh, had uh, clients who were more than, uh, wealthy and the upper class part of the society. And they were, they were called uh, assistants, if you would. But assistants, assistants to the priests. But they were actually prostitutes. And so rather than spiritual love, they turned it into sensual love, if you would. And that wasn't love at all. So the need for correction and the lifting up of their affections here in the love center was very great. And that's why Paul came along with the living word of truth. And it, it enters in to do its, its uh, first revelation, which is union with Father. If you need anything, whatever it is you think you need, you get that from your union with Father, right? Right. And then once you understand your union with Father, then there's that riddance of all things that hinder. When, uh, when I realize that I can get peace from Father, then whatever I've been going to for peace that's hurting me, it will go away. And you remember where we get the word union and riddance from? I mentioned it last week. What does the metal silver represent? Redemption. redemption. So the Old Testament word redemption actually in the Hebrew means union. And the New Testament word uh, redemption in the Greek means riddance. So all a person needs to do to get themselves ridded, if I can say that, of what hinders is come to this revelation of who they're in union with. And when that happens, then you let go of everything else. You know, Norma, if you, if you were looking for a husband and you were 
finding all kinds of problems and they weren't worthy of you, whatever. And then if you were still married to WD, if he hadn't passed away, I'd say, Norma, this is your husband. And you, you, you would wake up, right? And you would enjoy your fellowship. Then what would happen? You would no longer go after the other men. I mean, I know it's kind of a silly example, I guess, but I think it's a good example. And so what we must do is, is teach people who their source is because they're going to all the wrong loves, looking for love in, what's that song? Looking for love in all the wrong places and expecting happiness and joy. And it doesn't come from that, from that way. It comes from Father. So Paul's going from Athens to to Corinth, which, which was in Acts 18.1, signifies this withdrawal of the power of the word of truth from the intellectual center, which is Athens. If you, if you try to understand the power of truth through just the carnal intellect, it will be distorted, right? And it will, it will be brought down into the sensual desires is what they did. And so that signifies the withdrawal of the power of, of the word of truth at the entrance of the love center, Hence, Corinth. So Paul was trying to explain them what real love is. So the people of Corinth receiving Paul's message would be the thoughts that compromise the love center. You know, you, you hear teachings on love. You hear teachings on all kinds of stuff. You hear teachings on finances, or you would. It still it compromises the love center, and it becomes all about me. You know, if I give enough money, if I work hard enough, God's going to bless me. I'm going to have all the money that I need. It's always about ego, me, myself, and I, right? And so that would be the thoughts that are compromised as one of the divine faculties in man and man's corresponding consciousness. And we want to live out of our divine faculties, not our carnal faculties. So <clears throat> in volume two of uh, chapter seven of my book's titled The Spiritual Code and S Symbology of the Living Word, I share how the Apostle John represents our spiritual faculty of, you know, love. And that central premise is his premise of all his teaching that he did. All his writing, everything that John wrote was based on love. Would you agree? He, he, he talked about the love of Jesus and the love of Father. So the book been sealed up then is like the Shulamite. Do you remember the Shulamite and, and uh, Song of Solomon? Like, like her... These people who are sealed up, their garden is enclosed. They're a garden enclosed and they're well shut up. There's something inside. They are a garden, right? But it's enclosed. There's a well of living water inside, but it's, 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 it's shut up and it won't flow. And who shut it up? Well, we did by listening to the wrong teaching. We did by saying amen to a lot of stuff. So what uncloses the seals in our forehead is literally the seat of our perception right up here. The forehead is the center of our consciousness, which the understanding of truth will seal that to where it will no longer hear the great lie. I've said this many times with what I know now, and actually what I learned several years ago, there's no person that could ever tell me that I'm a sinner or a sinner saved by grace, and I would say amen. In fact, I do not listen to very many ministers today because a lot of ministers have a measure of truth but they still mix it with their old religious belief systems and it leavens the whole lump. And so I want my consciousness to be sealed with the truth that it knows and the truth that I know already, but maybe not aware of to where I will not receive anything else that hinders me. So the forehead is that center part of the consciousness. And what happens, it, it unites when we hear the truthful word 
The truthful word unites us with our divine mind. The truthful word helps us stay in contact with the divine mind and the truth of the word of God. Because then, all of a sudden, you begin to recognize the false by handling the truth. You know, I was told a long time ago at the, at the places where money is counted by lots of people, they don't show them counterfeit. They don't have them handle counterfeit money they have him handle the real money and when they handle the real money if a counterfeit is slipped in they immediately recognize it right? right so what 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 is religion done it's just always showed us the lie it showed us the counterfeit of who we are and then the problem is when the truth came we rejected it as though it's the lie hmm. and that's a big problem there so this symbolized by john the baptist if you would uh, his perception of the truth of our union with father he prepared the way for holy breath to come in. Holy breath, divine mind, was the riddance of everything that was going on. And Jesus came in as a comforter messenger, the greatest that there's ever been. And he breathed out the truthful word that was supposed to set people free. Not make people free, but set people free. Setting you free as you open the gate. You reveal the lie. But the truth is you have to be willing to come out. To be made free, you have to come out. And I've told the story about the bird many times. The master owns a bird and he's in a cage. He decides he's going to set him free and he opens the door and the bird won't come out because that's what the bird's used to. The bird's used to that particular line of teaching and understanding. But the master wants him to come out, so he decides he's going to make him free. And he, what does he reach in? His hand, <laughs> the hand ministry. He reaches in with his right hand and he pulls the bird out and he shuts that religious gate to never let it back in again. And then the bird, bird soars where it's supposed to be. What a beautiful picture of that. And that's what Father is doing. And Father is not doing a new thing, right? We used to, we, people say, well, Father, God's going to do a, a new thing. Or I remember when, we, uh, when I was writing with Brother Garner and, and transcribing all of this stuff. And he was always saying... The reason we know this is true is because God, there's never been a time where so many people are coming to hear this truth. But the truth is, there's always been great times of people coming. But they didn't get gripped enough to go on, you know. But I believe there are more and more people waking up today. And what they have to do is they have to get tired of what they've been hearing and then open themselves up to the voice of Father. And people are doing that. The more people that <clears throat> Right. And it takes us higher and higher. Right. Different, you know. And the difficult thing is, is there's a lot of ministers out there and people who are, are beginning to question everything. But again, they may be going to love in all the wrong places. And therefore, a lot of mixtures coming in. I'm not saying I know, I'm aware of everything there is to teach today. But I do know a lot. And I'm aware of a whole lot. And I can hear, when I listen to a teaching, I can hear if it's got mixture in it. And again, Scripture says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we want to teach the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. And Father will help us do that, I believe with all my heart. So we're fully aware that Father is holy breath, and breath is located and appears wherever it recognizes. it's recognized by a person. Even though holy breath is inside of me, if it's not recognized by me, then it, when I say it, I'm capital I-T, it will not appear to other people. 
because whatever we're projecting out of is what people see. And so <clears throat> our breath, our holy breath, and it's the King James calls it spirit, but you know I say breath. Our breath uh, literally seals our eternal identification. And it, it seals the Father's eternal living word in us. And it starts a release and it starts a, a flow of holy breath of life. And as I said earlier, once we allow the breath of God, the very, you know, you want to call it spirit of God to flow through you, then it flows out of you and you breathe out the living word on this world. Everything I say to people to exhort them or to lift them up, I'm breathing out my holy breath over them and it's living words. And if received, received first and then believed, it will be seen. A lot of people never even receive freedom from sickness and disease because they don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you don't see it, right? I, you know, I've said this for many years. We used to say seeing is believing. I believe believing is seeing. Whatever you believe, that's what you see. So all the attributes, attributes of holy breath in and through our individual awareness produces this moment-by-moment moment experience to the extent that mankind practices identifying with the one and only divine mind. And I've practiced that many times until, you know, I've had to practice that because there's always been those thoughts up there that I'm just this or I'm just that. And I've had to cast down those vain imaginations by saying, no, I have a divine mind. Even, even it bothers me when people say our mind is carnal. No, you only have one mind. You have the divine mind. You do not have a carnal mind. The Apostle Paul said to be carnally mindful. He didn't say to have a carnal mind. So if we're mindful of carnal things, then we're being carnal mindful, carnally mindful, and that's death. And what that means is dead to the knowledge of God, dead to the knowledge of who you are. So finally, there comes a, a reality when we do this, and we're aware that we're one with Father, and this reality comes in where we're we can say just like Jesus, I and the Father are one. And we're not just quoting what Jesus said. This truth has now become personalized. I can say I and the Father are one. In every sense of the word, every everything that Father is, I am. However, I do say Father is our source. Father is the source of all things. So these seals are representative of the revelation Jesus taught to uh, sought to teach the people. The Apostle Paul was commissioned to explain and again, each were signified by John, and there are more and more people in the earth today that are comforter messengers that have been consecrated to explain the truth. And consecrated means they've seen something. You can't explain the truth unless you see something. You can't testify in a court of law that somebody shot somebody unless you saw them shoot them, right? Okay. We have a problem in our neighborhood, this, this mentally ill lady, she throws trash over in our common over her fence and our common property all the time. And we know she's doing it. We have had people drive by and see it and tell us that she is. The police have looked over in her backyard and seen all the trash. And I asked them to do a ticket so we can get somebody involved and help them. He said, the only thing is, is you will have to go to court and testify that you saw her do it, right? That's important. That's what a witness is. Mm -hmm. And so Brother Garner really beat that into us, you know, that you've got to see something. Well, now we're, we've got to see more than just what Jesus did as penal substitution. We've got to see what Father did from the foundation of the world. And we've got to hear what Father said. Then we can become a witness, right? 
that's a witness. Mm -hmm. So these seals are representative of that, and they are they are they're removing the 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 religious seal over who we are and solidifying the truth of who we are. So we are sealed with the truth. Is what we're sealed with. So if the living word is this, what seals us, then I want to hear more living word. And I'm not going to go to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, I joke about this all the time, but I know it's happening on Sundays. And when we teach, a lot of us ministers teach, there are people that actually go to a video, they click like, and then they go to another video and they click like, and they go to another video and they click like, and they're not even listening to all of it at all. And, you know, I know people are busy but if you're just jumping from one place to the other, you're getting a lot of mixture. Sometimes I think a lot of people are doing it just so people see their name. Uh, Facebook has become a big eagle thing, you know, and you have to watch out for that. But you've got to find a comforter messenger that you're hearing the truth and stick with them. And it may be one or two or three or whatever, but you just can't go to everybody that sounds good. It's going to cause a lot of problems in your life. And I believe that with all my heart. And there are people out there that, you know, if it's not me, there are other people. Because Father has many right-hand ministers today all over this world. So. <clears throat> well, is that how you see? Huh? Is that how you see? Is you stick with it until you get an aha moment? I think so. I, I think you've got to, when, when you begin to hear the word of truth, you're going to know it's all based on love. It's not going to have any penal substitutionary doctrine in it. That's, a, that's one important thing, that Jesus had to die for us because we were bad people, you know, and, and, and you, you, treat, you teach yourself to listen to the voice of one within you. The voice of one will say amen, I guarantee you. And so that's kind of like it. But So when all seven of these unsealed, in the book of Revelation it talks about seven seals. When all seven of those are unsealed, then the Zoe life flows out of the recipient like a river of living water. The Bible says torrents of living waters will gush out of you. And the word of life flows out like a river, but the seals have to be opened. You know, people ask me all the time, what is it that I need to do? Well, you need to feed on the living word, not the written word. And when you do that, that breaks the, the seals of religiosity out from you and it solidifies you in the truth. So nothing else can come in and rob you of the truth. You won't ever listen to what I call the great lie again. So we must have the courage to enter fiercely into the overcoming life and into the understanding of all things that Jesus revealed. And that's what Paul said to do. And courage alone won't do it. We must have a reverential uh, 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 respect for spiritual things. We must desire spiritual things. There's enough carnal stuff coming at us, right and left. You know, so uh, we, we want to have this attitude in order to receive spiritual, uh, spiritual uh, inspiration. The phrase of the tribe of Judah signifies this reverential nature and attitude. And that's what we have to have. So I don't have to come into some house where they're teaching and, you know, bow my head and be crawling. It's a respect for what's coming. It is awesome that we can hear the living word today and the truths that we're hearing. And I respect it greatly. And so what was sealed up in mankind was something they all forgot. Something they all forgot, which was what Jesus' ministry was to reveal. Jesus came to, to help us remember who we are. And Dr. K 
uh, and I have stated it many times, but she just reposted it not too long ago. So the Greek uses the words born from above for born again. And the Aramaic state that it is to remember our origin. How can somebody enter into the rule and the dominion of joy and peace? That's what the kingdom of God means. They've got to remember their origin. Because if you think you're just a sinner saved by grace and you grew up in a family, they were all alcoholics or they all died of cancer or the list can go on and on. Are you going to have joy or peace at all? And the word uh, shalom also means perfection. So are you going to see yourself as perfect? You won't, not, not at all. And so we've got to remember our origin, but how can one remember unless somebody is sent to teach them, to explain it to them? So in other words, to be born again or born from above is to embrace this realization that we came out of Father. We came out of holy breath. Remember who you are. And it's not remember who you were, because most people think it's who we were, but the first race of man fell and death passed on to all, so we're all just sinners. No, it's not that. You've got to remember who you are. And it's really sad that people, by the millions, if not billions, have sat in houses called Houses of God, and all they heard was a reminder that you're not who Father says you are. You're not good enough. And they're always trying to get you to do something to become who you already are. So what, what, what about this? We were in Father before the foundation of the world. I, quote, I put that on Facebook several years ago, and some of my brethren that I love so much said, I don't know about him, but I was not in God from the foundation of the world. So their perception of their self is false. They still see themselves as a sinner. What's the difference in a sinner and a sinner saved by grace? Not much. <laughs> except for uh, our friend down in Texas, uh, Joanne. She said, oh, you got your ticket to heaven. <laughs> That's about it. At least I got my ticket to heaven. I said the magic prayer, and I got my ticket to heaven. And that's, that's just not good. That's not going to bring you any life whatsoever. So, uh, Ecclesiastes 7, don't turn there. I'm not going to read anything. But Solomon wrote, we came here upright. And he said, see this only have I discovered that Father has made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. And when I first looked at that, I looked up the word inventions. First of all, upright means straight. Upright means pleasant. And upright means prosperous in all knowledge and wisdom. Isn't that cool? We live straight. We're not drifting back and forth and, you know, carnal, mindful and all that. But we live, we're on this straight and narrow path. And so the English word for inventions was translated from the Hebrew chisaboin, and it means contrivance, it means carnal plots, and it means a human-minded creation. And then it also means machination, M-A-C-H-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. It means carnal schemes, plotting, and conspiracies. Can you not go through the whole Old Outlook books, what they call the Old Testament, and see all that? All kinds of things that went on, plotting and carnal-minded things or whatever. Even Solomon went out to try to learn everything there was, and he finally said it's just nothing but soap bubbles, soap bubbles, pretty much is what he said. So the word upright is used 68 times in Scripture. Did you know that? Most people don't. And it's almost always applies that if a person lives out of their uprightness with Father, they will experience living straight, 
pleasant and prosperous in all knowledge and all wisdom. What would religion say upright is? You don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't run around with those that do, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So after we were birthed from our mothers, we took on some sort of amnesia, if you would. And I believe that amnesia was caused by the many religious teachings that our parents brought us in. And particularly in the very beginning, we were sent to Sunday school. And I love all those Sunday school teachers. I, I love the ones I had, but they were teaching us no penal substitution. They were teaching us Romans road to salvation that we had to get saved. And to me, that's child abuse. I mean, think about it. You got this little child that came from father and it's holy and righteous. And one of the first things you teach them when they get barely old enough to know anything is you're a sinner and you've got to say this prayer. Huh? And to be afraid of God. To be afraid of God. And then it just went right on through our whole entire life. And it brainwashed us, if you would. Actually, I, th I, I, I would say it was brain erasing. They were erasing what was true of us, what we knew when we were born. I believe those little babies, when they came out, I, I believe they still have contact with Father. I do. I believe that with all my heart. So we were sealed very well from the beginning, but we were sealed by many doctrines of men whose understanding comes from the sense realm. So I don't want those type of people to seal anything on me. Uh, Isaiah said, See she from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for what account of is he? And when I look that up, it says, who is he to interpenetrate your brain or your awareness? You know, so those meanings believe, seen, and embraced should be enough to break any seal of religiosity once we hear the truth. So the seven seals open the seventh trumpet. What's a trumpet, Donna? Do you remember what Brother Garner said a trumpet was? Yeah, clear, long, clear-sounding word. But it's a truthful word. It's not the written word. It's not the surface-level word, but it's the truthful word. So I, I, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm preaching against Pastor Gary Garner. I love Brother Garner. He's one of the most wonderful pastors I ever had. In fact, he is the most, most wonderful pastor I ever had in my life. However, he taught penal substitution like the majority of the world does. Right, that was his level. So, what, what I'm doing here is I'm taking what he taught me, and what I learned from several years myself on penal substitution, and I'm taking the cover off with the great by the grace of Father. And so, Father, I listen to Father's voice. I'm listening, and I know Father's voice. I I call Kay Fairchild and often and say, "This is what I see. Do you con concur?" And she always does. Same thing with Butch Hodge. Those are my two confidants, if I would that I always go to. But now we can hear a clear sounding word. You know, it's a, I, I don't have really good hearing right now physically. And my grandson's staying with us right now. And he'll say something to me and I repeat back the funniest stuff that had nothing to do with what he hears. It's cause I can't hear him clearly. But I'm telling you what, I have a spiritual ear that hears clearly. I have no problem hearing the voice of our father today. And when you hear the seventh trump, open the seventh vial at the end of each of these seven trumps the message is it is finished it is finished it is finished when was it finished not when jesus said it was finished when jesus said it's finished what he came to do was finished in that area of the world it was finished and also 
It's the end of the sacrificial system. But what was finished was finished from the foundation of the world when Father decreed, declared, and, and decided, decreed, and declared that man is the plural of him. Man is in his perfect image. Man is perfect and holy, and, and man has dominion or mastership over the earth. That was done from the foundation of the world. If you're waiting for Father to do something, you're wasting your time. Father's already done and already said anything that Father was going to do. It was all done from the foundation. What we need is many more comforter messengers that will listen intelligently and speak the truth of what Father's saying. So once one understands what the first six seals point to, they come to this perfect understanding that produces true spiritual maturity, and that's the seventh seal. So the whole message ends with the fact that we thought we needed, what we thought we needed was provided and complete from the foundation. The message has been proclaimed, it's been explained, it's been taught by whoever the book speaks of, and that's the seventh angel. And again, an angel is a messenger. Seven is the number, one of the maturity and perfection, but also divine intervention. So I would say when somebody is consecrated and they become a comforter messenger in their world, that's a divine intervention, right? Because people are praying constantly for Father to do something, right? In the political arena right now, there's people all over the world praying for Father to do something. They think Father's going to come and judge the, the, the party that they don't like and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, the intervention comes through people. Because Father's already done everything Father's going to do. And I hope that doesn't offend people, but it's the truth. And so this whole message ends with the fact that we, we didn't need anything, that we're complete. And the message that's been proclaimed is explained. And the seventh angel, which means perfected in understanding, or a comforter messenger. So I want to read to you from Revelation 5, 1 through 4. And then I, later on, I'm going to read some things to you from uh, Romans. So I hope you can hang on here. I'm going to probably going to probably go about till another 30 minutes. That'd be about 15 after 11. So I hope you can take it. If not, come back and finish it later. But Revelation 5, 1 through 4, and this is my translation from the R.E. Richmond Tree of Life Bible. And I perceived with my single eye and understood in my divine mind within, which is the book, these messenger pastors the everlasting consecration to explain and teach the things Jesus sought to reveal, and each are empowered by our, by our divine mind. I viewed, as it were, an innumerable people seen as a book. The book I saw had words written within and even on the back. The writings within were of the present condition of man being perfect and upright as Father created them. The words written revealed what was revealed to man during the great operation of Father as the being as being the plural, uh, as us being the plural of Father, holy and upright. The words written on the backside revealed that which was removed in Father's great operation, the end of the old worn-out way of living, and that's what Jesus came to do, to destroy that with the teaching us the truth. And that was imposed by religiosity, and it made void uh, was made void by Jesus's work of ministry, the law. The result being was Adam's choice to self-condemn themselves. After they embraced the teachings, which is what trees represent, of the knowledge of good and evil, when what what they then produced was loosened, made no effect, and brought to naught, vanished away, and made void. So remember, the Bible says Jesus was manifest to destroy him 
or that which had the power of death and that with the law and also the fruit. And the word destroy is cardigale, which means loosen, made void, melt away, brought to naught, just doesn't exist anymore. Each of these messenger pastors, pastors of the voice of one, could speak clearly of the many works of Jesus and the all-inclusive decision, declaration, and decree of Father from the foundation. However, I saw, as it were, seven seals over their mouth, which I understood to represent seven vital understandings that many were made ignorant to. They could not speak of these things that they knew not of. Can you say that's, you know, that's why I keep saying, Father, help me in what I don't know to believe yet. There's a lot of stuff I can't believe because I don't know yet to believe. You know, and I've used this example many times when I get around my, my, my son-in-laws and my son and they talk about football. There's a lot of stuff that they don't, I don't know, so my mouth stays shut. I'm dumb to those things, if you were, and that's where we all were. So there was a need to understand what each individual still pictured before any man could perceive and apprehend what these messenger pastors were empowered to speak, explain, teach, and preach accurately. The seals broken open, broken open were the explanation of what was behind them that hindered and introduced them, and three separate understandings of their eternal condition. And the seventh seal being open is the resulting understanding of all men having eternally been one with Father by Father's great and mighty work in eternity before all things became visible. In addition, I became aware of a mighty inability and understanding messenger pastor proclaiming, as it were, an illumining and revelatory voice. Who is worthy to open man up to the knowledge and understanding of the life of Father, being within, one with them? Who is worthy to explain and teach every aspect of Father's mighty work from eternity? Father's decision, decree, and declaration from eternity was what Jesus taught and revealed. So Jesus was worthy to do that, right? So are we. Okay? So if understood and believed, this understanding would remove the old worn-out way of life and awaken within every man, woman, boy, and girl to the way, the truth, and the life they've always possessed. I became aware that no dust realm, in other words, carnal, work of man could open mankind up to experience being in perfect contact with Father and the divine mind within them, nor see, be aware, look, perceive, and behold in and of themselves that Father was always, Father has always resided with them all. I understand that man conceived the effect of religious rules and works was not able to open up, and understanding the revelation Jesus sought to cheat and explain. And see, the whole time, like I pointed out the last session we had, Every time Jesus was trying to teach the crowds, who was there? Who was there with them? The Pharisees, right? And the Sadducees. They were always there, always disdaining Jesus, always trying to trick him, always asking him confusing questions, and always scaring the people because they knew those leaders were there and they had been mean to him in the past. So it says, which should have awakened every man, what Jesus taught, should have awakened every man, woman, boy, and girl. Neither could carnal ways and teachings open their ear to hear and their eye to see, perceive and be aware of the eternal light, life, and glory within and up on man as Father's holy temple dwelling. So I know when I read these, there's a lot of run-on sentences, but that's the way the scripture is. And if you try to break it up sometimes, you mess the whole content up there. So there are messengers that are on the scene today. There have been messengers on the scene for thousands of years. And they're equipped to minister much light on 
who created man perfect? That's one of the first things we need to know. Who created us? That's one of the questions. I was watching some science show the other day and they were saying, people have these questions like, where did we come from? Who am I? What am I supposed to do? Almost everybody has those three questions, right? And, and, and I get this question all the time. What does God think about me? What does God want me to do? You know, people have a lot of questions. The reason they do is because not many ministers are willing or able to answer them. Just like when I went to, to uh, North or South Carolina with Kay to teach Living Out of Our Spiritual Resources, Randy Lambert wanted me to answer 32 questions that his congregation had. And I asked Father, you know, when are people going to quit asking these questions? And I heard, when somebody will answer them. So I did. And that's why I have that book, you know, Simple Answers to What Seem to Be Difficult Questions. People need to have their questions answered. And so all people basically are right with Father, but not all realize that fact. So Father is revealing to us how that truth can be individualized, if you would you individualize, I guess I could say, into a realization. You have to realize it, because if you don't realize it, you don't enjoy it. Can you imagine what it would be like if you played the lottery and you got up one morning and you looked and you won and you won $980 million? That would be hard to realize, wouldn't it? It would really be, am I dreaming? Is this possible? You know, you wouldn't sleep all night long for several days probably, but there would need to become that realization. That realization would be when they give you the check correct? Yeah. And you deposit it. So I can say this will be realized when I, when I give you the understanding, if you would, and then you deposit that in your awareness and you agree with it. You believe it and then you see it. So messengers are explaining uh, truth to us and what's going on rather than people studying what they're teaching, if you would, they're missing out on a lot. There's still a lot of people that have itchy ears, you know, and they just want to hear something that makes them feel good, but they don't receive it with meekness. They don't receive it for themselves. They just say, wow, that was good. You know, I asked somebody the other day, they told me they listened to me and you all know who she is, but she listened to me one Sunday and I said, what did you hear? I mean, what, what, she said, I don't know, but it was really good. You know why? Because you're not listening you're hearing sounds, but you're not listening for the voice. And if you're not listening for the voice, then you don't hear it real well. Is this what's sealed up? Huh? Is this what's so it's up? So hearing the living word is what seals it. It removes the lie. See, the lie, there's two seals. There's the seal of the lie, and then there's the seal of the truth. The seal of the lie must be broken, and it's broken by the truth. And then once you hear the truth, you're, you're sealed you will no longer hear the lie anymore. They, they can't get to you whatsoever. You know, it's just like me and you, Donna, when we got married, you know, we had a license that showed us we were married, but it was solidified as our life went on. If somebody came to you today after me and you've been married for 51 years this year and told you that I was having an affair, I know you enough to know that say, no, that he's not, that's not possible. Right? But why? Because our love is sealed, it's sure. And yet we can sit in religion, religion places and hear that God is angry with us, that God is going to get us, that God's going to cause you to lose your job because you didn't give your tithe or cause your baby to die in a car wreck because you, these are all real things. And we listen to that and people just sit there and say, amen. 
Why? Because they never knew the love of God. It hadn't been secured in them. And I'm always reminded of that lady that went to our growing up church and she had a car wreck. Her baby died. I went to minister to her and she said, I know exactly why my baby died. God took my baby because I didn't, I refused to pay my tithe. She wasn't preaching. It, it was though. just, it was, it was, it was really bad. And she had heard that and she believed that. And so that became a reality. Because so did she think God that. loved her? Huh? Someone told her that. Yes, they did. They sure did. So what I'm teaching here uh, is not just a few verses, you know, from the New Outlook books to show you spiritual truths. It's not just a few. We're not just putting a few verses together just to prove something that we believe. What is going on today is this great unfoldment of, of the Bible and these truths, these vital truths that people need to come and see. The, the Spirit in the bride. When it says the Spirit and the bride say come, it's really the you know holy breath. It, uh, it said the spirit and the bride, like they're two separate. But it's the holy breath in us that's saying, "Come and see." You know, and and, and it I, it breaks my heart that people won't come and see my world. There's very few people in my world that will come and see that will come and hear. And you know, maybe they need to hear it from somebody else. I don't know, but it needs to happen. So the unfolding of the 66 books of the Bible has always been available to us. I remember in 1988, there was a calling forth of many people to come up higher. And uh, there's a lot of history talks about when people in 1988, many mistakenly heard uh, that the old religious moves they thought were going to be greater and greater. Like, we're going to have another revival. There's, I, I've seen it. There, and I'm still even hearing it today. A great revival's coming. A great outpouring of the Holy Spirit's coming. That's always... That same thing, thus saith the Lord, it's next year, you know, and they think we're going to go to that place again, but and it's not going to be greater than that. What it is, is people, there's more and more people that are going to tune their ears to the voice of Father. And they did in 1988, according to their ability, right? But their ability then was not yet to the place where they could really understand what Father was saying because they placed it and put it in with their doctrine. Brother Garner was always saying, don't take what you learn here and go mix it with what you already know. He had a preacher told him, I'm going to add this to what I teach. Well, if you add it to what you teach, it's not going to be the truth. So I personally believe that Father does not wake people up. You know, I used to pray, Father, wake me up, wake me up, wake up the world. We were born awakened already. So I believe some people come to an end of what they were taught and believed and struggled with it. At that point, they begin to ascertain and seek and desire to know more. That's what the word worship means in many places. And at that point, they will begin to hear this ever-present voice of Father, because Father's always speaking to us. Father's always saying, come up higher, right? Always. And so the Apostle John heard a voice. He was in the spiritual understanding of the tabernacle of Moses. He was in the holy place where there was a table showbread, a golden candlestick and an altar of incense, and he was feeding on the bread and wine. The bread and wine is feeding on the truth of the word. It's feeding on what Jesus, Jesus offered bread. Jesus offered wine. It's a picture of him offering the truthful word to people. And so he was feeding, and all of a sudden he hears the voice, because when you feed, what happens? Your ears begin to tune, your spiritual ear, your spiritual eye, and he hears the voice, and he turns to see the voice, and he saw one like unto the Son of Man in the midst of the golden candlestick. 
And when you really look at that, the Greek word there is not son of man, it's a son. He saw a son, and it's not anthropos as in human, but it's A-N-E-R, it says a man, not no gender implied. So the golden candlestick symbolizes the perfected and mature many-membered man. Of course, the, the King James says the church, but it's us. He saw one just like Jesus, a many-member, he saw us, and, and he saw that. And also it says it it's also verifies and reveals origin as Father is our origin. So I like that. I also like looked at several months ago, I looked up the word uh, ecclesia. The word church means ecclesia, and it means called out as in people. So we are a people that's been called out, and it's not just one group, it's all people, and they're called out ones. Remember years ago I had a dream, and I, I heard Father saying, calling all called out ones. And so when I saw this, it really excited me. But it starts with eek, E-K, and it denotes origin from the point where action and motion proceeds. Where does action and motion proceed from? Your divine mind. If you want to say your brain and, you know, if your brain with your mind, all your action, everything comes from your brain. But your brain is controlled by your divine mind. Your brain is part of your body, but you have a divine mind. So John saw mankind in their true state of beings. And literally, when you, work, when you look up that word eek, it says called out ones. And we're all called out. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. The King James Version. Can you take a few more minutes? Okay. The King James Version and other versions that came out of that state that Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And people ask that all the time. Well, you know, the Bible says that Jesus was slain for so that there had to be a penal substitution. Well, he was slain. And he was, he was killed by the Jews. But I'm going to explain to you what I see there. So I'm going to read it to you in the King James. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life and of the lamb, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Well, that kind of looks weird to me. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Who would you think the hymn's talking about? Jesus. Well, I mean, that's what we were taught, isn't it? So if they're worshiping Jesus, why aren't their names written in the book of life? We never asked that question, did we? And then it says that the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So verse 9 then says, if any man hear, let him hear. And so we don't ever read that or hear that either. So it's vital for everyone to hear true biblical teaching and the real understanding. So everyone has an ear, right? So it's a weird question to say, if you have an ear, well, they have an ear. So what this is really saying, if anyone possesses their spiritual ear, hear with intelligence and understand these words. So even when you're reading the King James Version, you need to read it with intelligence and say, that doesn't fit. First of all, it doesn't fit the love of God. Because the love of God, no one would be left out of the book of life. And we're all the book of life. And the word name means nature or character. And my nature and character is in my book of life. I have a true nature and character. I have the character of a father. I have the nature of my father, right? And it's in my book. So we'll do what Kay says. We, she says, unpack the verse. And I like that to discover the real meaning. And I'm just going to kind of read this to you because I have a little bit more to do and I want to hurry up here. It's, it's, I just read it to you. It's a Revelation 13, 8. Oh, 13. Yeah, 13, 8, and then 9. So, 
So from the King James translation there, the doctrine of penal substitution is empowered by saying the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, speaking of Jesus. So the word lamb stands for pure lamb-like qualities or mankind from the foundation. So who would that be? It would be man, right? It would be Adam, the first man, Adam. So this speaks of the rich and happy state of mankind when they stay in conscious union with their divine mind. When did they get slain? What did they do? They went to teachers of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, I could stop right here and that would explain that to you. But so the state is symbolized by the phrase, the marriage supper of the lamb, which takes place at the raising of the whole consciousness of your perfect, complete oneness with Father. That marriage supper of the Lamb, we're the Lamb, where it's called Lambkin, it's, it's children, we're the children of God. The marriage supper is when we feed, marriage, a supper is when you feed on something. When we feed on the living Word of God, then our conscious awareness is raised up to the divine mind, and we understand truth. And that's your marriage supper. So this state is symbolized by the phrase there, which takes place in that way. So what happens is they find out that they exist in contact with Father, and they've always existed in contact with Father. So we can see that using the word lamb refers to origin. Who's our origin? Father, being our true life. Lambs also represent innocence and guileless. The word guile means trickery, deceit, deception, cheating, and subtlety. And there's none of that in us. Remember Jesus saw Nathaniel from afar? He saw him in the, in, the, in the spirit or breath. Nathaniel was reading his Bible or his uh, Torah under a tree, the old writings. And Jesus said, Behold, a Israelite in whom there is no guile. He spoke to him as who he really was. He was a lambkin. He was a son of God. And that's what Jesus was speaking over him. And it just went over the top of his head. So divine life then is to term the Lamb of God. It's not Jesus. Jesus was a Lamb of God, just like we are a Lamb of God. The word Lamb is a child. It's a child. So all mankind has that, just as Jesus was the Lamb of Father. The word Lamb, when referring to a person again, Lambkin, the term is endearment for a young child. That's what it means. So Revelation 13, 8 is not about Jesus. It's about this false awareness of mankind after they believed the great lie and they were slain at the foundation. Remember Romans, oh, the first seven chapters of Romans is nothing but Paul talking about the condition of man at the foundation. He's explaining what took place at the foundation. So what did they do? They lost their awareness that they were the book of life. They lost their awareness that they were a son or a daughter of God. They identified with what religiosity taught them, and then they said, Amen, I'm naked. Amen, I'm a sinner. And I tell you, there are people, there's no shortage of people on Facebook that have lambasted me for saying we are not sinners. And they always write back, well, I don't know about you, but I am. The Bible says I'm a sinner. You know, so they lost that awareness. And with, within every person, it's engraved the book of life. We are the book written within, and we are the book written without. My pastor, 38 years, got up one Sunday and just kind of mocked me for saying that. We're the book. In fact, after I got through teaching, he said, where did you, where do you come up with that? I said, in the Bible. <laughs> it says we're the book. So 
Who was slain at the foundation of the world? It was Adam, the first race of man. They self-condemned themselves from feeding from these teachers, and they slew themselves. They slew their awareness, if you would. But they were still everything that God created them to be. And because Father said, who told you that? Have you been feeding from teachers of the knowledge of good and evil? So man began to ascertain, seek, and desire, which means worship, to know themselves and not Father. And that's what it says here in that verse. It says, and they that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. That word him is a reflexive pronoun. It's himself, their self, yourself. And worship is ascertained. So they, they sought to know themselves carnally, if you would. And I'm going to read to you what Paul said about that. But don't we mainly know ourselves carnally? We just look at ourselves, but mankind, we just see ourselves as flesh and blood. And I even watch on uh, posts that people are in colleges and they're supposed to be learning truth and they'll still fight to say, we're just human. We're humans. No, we're not. We're sons of God. We're daughters of God. Human is where they get the word hewn down like you hewn a tree down. We're not hewn down. We're, God never called us human. That's what man put in there. So man begins ascertain, seek, and desire to know themselves and not Father. They gave up their contact with Father. Father never gave them up. Father never, ever gives anyone up. Never has, never would, ever. Man gives Father up. The Father's always there. And what do they do? They sought to cover themselves. They begin to have all these imaginations, if you would. And, oh, if I can put a fig leaf on, you know, or, or if I can cover myself up with this, if I can come up with all these kind of do-to-be laws, and if I do them, I'll be okay. And none of that's true. And it wasn't needed. So at the beginning of verse 8 in Revelation 13, and it states, And shall worship themselves all that dwelt upon the earth. So this reference to the word worship comes from proskuno, and applies they begin to live like a dog. How does a dog live? They lick on their master. They beg, right? They're always begging. They're always... They, they, they depend totally on their master for everything that they need every day. Man began to live that way. And we were raised to live that way. You know, do, give enough money, God will bless you. Uh, come to church, sow your time, your talent, your treasure, everything. We literally live like a dog, and we did not live upright in the presence of our Father. So I'm going to close with this. Let's see what the Apostle Paul wrote of the first uh, race of men. I'm going to start in Romans chapter 10. It's going to be my translation, so you really... If you follow along, you're going to miss out on what I'm going to say. So just please listen to me. You, really, if you haven't got it, you need to get, you need to order my Romans translation because I'm going to be using that in this entire series, and you'll be able to go to that. It's not that expensive. So uh, Romans chapter 10, 18, uh, about the last half of it. That wrong belief concerning our true nature originated and passed down through the generations from those who were alive at the beginning from the foundation of the world. Of those who were alive at the decree of the Father, those who lived as mere human and who held back the truth concerning everyone's righteousness, were there many false doctrines and law that produced filthy works of righteousness from the beginning. Verse 19. On this account, they were knowledgeable and acquainted with Father in themselves, for Father indeed rendered himself apparent. Verse 20. They could indeed gaze at Father and were capable of clearly discerning and experience the Father in themselves. They had the ability from the foundation of the world, as did all the world's inhabitants. They experienced Father in full everlasting self as one mind, one breath, and one body, and one power. Father fully revealed to them his character as Father, or we could say Source. 
they were without an excuse. Therefore, when they absolutely knew Father, they did not esteem him as the one and only Father. They did not ascertain or discover or seek or desire to know him. Neither did they express gratitude to him, but they became foolish and worshipped false idols in their imaginations concerning themselves. They became blinded and lost their conscious understanding of the truth about their true nature. Verse 22, sharing their thoughts as though they were wise, they become insipid, dull, wishy-washy, characterless, foolish, and in a sense slayed themselves. Verse 23, and in their false perception and in their imagination, they made the goodness, the nature, the character, and the love of Father different than it was. They made Father like unto their image of what they believed themselves to be, a perishable, hewn-down man. In the same category as birds, earthbound beasts, and reptiles. Verse 24, wherefore they gave up the true reality. See there, they gave up. Not God gave them up. Wherefore they gave up the true reality of Father their Creator through being mindful in their conscious awareness of being morally pure, impure. Because of embracing their false misconceptions and their inner being, they willingly dishonored their bodies. Verse 25, they willfully exchanged the truth of one loving Father into a falsehood. They ascertained, sought, and desired to know Father's creation instead of Father and rendered homage to that which Father created, worshiping themselves and all things created more than our Creator Father, who is to be spoken well of for eternity, so be it. Verse 26, from the act of those who lived at the foundation of the world, they themselves gave up Father for conspicuous desires, dishonoring and disgracing women, Exchanging, exchanging the natural intercourse into that which is against natural reproduction. Verse 27, similarly, the men leaving the natural sexual intercourse with women were set on fire with lust for one another, men using men by implication for sexual indecency, and the consequences resulted in themselves being bound. Consequences, right? Not judgment. They received the de deceitful delusion. Verse 28, by doing such, they in no way discerned Father in full awareness and acknowledgement. They gave up the knowledge of their union with Father purposely for a worthless, degenerate intellect and will to do things that are not becoming a man. This, is, this all resulted in them being full and replete with injustice, living with a false, degenerate character of life. No longer were they experienced the rest of Father. They were eager for more and more depravity, depravity full of ill will, murder, strife, deceit, mischievousness, and slander. They begin to learn from their own experiences, and that's what the word serpent means. They learn from their own experience, gaining information from their sense realm. They uttered untruths and attempted to deceive by falsehoods. They became irreverent to father, despiteful, thinking themselves to be better than others, braggarts, contrivers of things, and degenerate from their truth virtue, not listening to their father creator with intelligence. Verse 31, they let go of their awareness of the truth without Father's rest. They were foolish, covenant breakers, and hard-hearted toward their kindred, showing no mercy. Verse 32, also, also, excuse me, although they knew the decree, decision, declaration of Father at the foundation of the world, they willingly chose to be unaware of their consequences of committing such things. As a result, they lived as being dead to Father, and the key is as dead to Father void of abundant life. They manifested this lower realm life besides they also thought well of themselves 
and their actions and felt gratified within themselves and others who repeatedly and habitually did these things. That's from our Roy E. Richmond Tree of Life Bible translation. So the question is then, we go back to the beginning, who was the lamb slain from the foundation? Was it Jesus or was it man? man. It was man. It was Adam. It was the first race of men. So, however, they were still sons and they were still daughters of God. But they lost, they did not lose their position, but they lost their awareness. And again, as a man thinks in his conscious awareness, or actually heart means individual awareness, so is his or her realization. And so that, that has been solidified and continue to be reinforced, enforced all throughout time because of what preachers and teachers of religiosity have taught. When it said death, death passed on to all men, that word death means no awareness or no understanding of the Father. And as Dr. K. Fairchild said, they did not have to accept that death. We did not have to accept it. You know, we didn't have to accept that we were sinners, but we did because we didn't study ourselves and show ourselves approved. Our parents didn't teach us the truth because we so highly exalted those ministers. We thought they're the ones that went to seminary school. They know what they're talking. We're just lowly sheep, if you would. You know, and so the truth is we could have studied to show ourselves approved and we wouldn't have had to believe those things. So with Father, they were without spot and they were without blemish. Father always sees us the way we were created, the way he formed us as sons and daughters. Father sees the end from the beginning. You know, just like I have children today that have done things that probably aren't, doesn't represent who they really are, but today I still see my son and I see my two daughters as I saw them when they came out of their mother. They're my precious children and they're still Richmond, right? They have not lost who I am. So the real slaying that Jesus sought to do, and Paul explained, was the slaying of a sin consciousness, the slaying of a mistaken identity. So we could say the lambkin uh, refers to the pure spiritual life within us that we cannot lose. Nothing can separate you from your divine mind. Nothing can separate you from who you were created to be from the foundation of the world. Adam was only naked in their awareness. They just thought that they were alienated from Father. Isn't that powerful? Yes, it is. So we're just going to see more and more. We're going to go through what we call Paul's system of truth or another Paul's big seven. Big we're just going to reveal more and more. What would you say, babe? Said another big shocker. Another big shocker. <laughs> There's lots of them. There's going to be a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> you know, but personally, I don't want to hear penal substitution anymore. You know, and that's what caused people to put Jesus up on a pedestal and, you know, and the cross, you know, I personally, I can't stand seeing the cross anymore. If it still does something for you, that's okay. But if it was up to me, I'd take every cross down there is because the cross was an instrument of the Romans and an instruments of the Pharisees and Sadducees to murder our, 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 our comforter, messenger, teacher, Jesus. And, you know, so I'm going to go all the way with it hope you want to too so we appreciate you guys watching on the internet through facebook with us and those that will be later on and uh, pray over me if you would for strength and to, to get this work done and for my body there's some issues in my body that i'm going to be seeing a doctor about pretty soon but i'm believing for wholeness to come to me and wholeness to come to you because it's ours so we love you very much god bless you see you next week